Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe concludes his two-part message in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 18. God's name, Emmanuel, Jesus, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But it's just to realize the power of the name. So as we sang that song, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in. We run in and we're safe. He brings us safety. We're his children. And just a reminder before we go into the next verse, if you're a a born-again Christian, God lives inside of you by his Holy Spirit. You're a child of God. You do not have to fear evil because there's protection. You're his child. In Ephesians, it says that we're seated in the heavenlies. It doesn't say we will be seated in the heavenlies. He says we're seated in the heavenlies. It talks about with Christ. We're seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. And it says, you know, it talks about far above the powers and principalities and rulers of darkness. Those are uh, angelic, uh, you know, beings of darkness. And we're, you know, somehow we're, we're seated in the heavenlies. And it's just, it's fascinating. But again, as a child of God, we do not have to fear the demonic realm. We don't have to fear evil. And some people still do. I know there's some people that deal with different things. They're afraid of different things and, you know, spiritual things. But as a child of God, we don't have to be afraid. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, you're righteous because of Jesus Christ. So we can run to him and we are safe. Verse 11, the rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own esteem. I believe it's meaning that the rich man wrongfully... Um, trust in his riches for strength, and that's his strong city, not trusting the Lord for his strength. Verse 12, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. A haughty heart brings destruction. Those that are prideful, the word haughty means lifted up or, or filled with pride and And it brings destruction. God doesn't want us, his his children, to walk around being prideful, acting as if we're something. I remember before I knew the Lord, I really was convinced that pride was a good thing. I I thought it was good to be prideful. I thought it was good to be boastful. I used to boast and all that stuff. And I I thought that was was a a good thing. And then I came to know the Lord. I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. (laughs) We're not to boast in ourselves. We're to boast in the Lord. Do you notice that again? It says, but before honor is humility. Honor comes to to the humble. The the Lord brings honor to the humble, those that humble themselves in the sight of the Lord. The word honor there can mean abundance. You know, through humility, the Lord brings abundance. Or it also can mean glory. And I believe it could be talking about, you know, brings glory to the Lord when you're when you're humble, when you have humility, it brings glory to the Lord. Isn't that true? 
You know, think about that. Those that you know that are truly humble, that God has humbled them and there's a brokenness in their life. And it's like you look at them and it's like, you know, you see the, the glory of the Lord or you see the goodness of the Lord. It, it's like they're not shining through. There's some people that their pride or their arrogance that shines through and it's almost like it's a disgusting thing. You're like, oh man, here's so-and-so. He's just so, it's always about him. And it's like, it's, it's something that's it's not attractive in the spiritual realm. But the one that's broken, the one that realizes all that I have is Christ. And to me, it's like the, the people that I know in my life that are like that, it's like to me, they're like a, they're like a Jesus magnet. It's like I, I want to be around them because, you know, Jesus is working through them. And it's not, they're not, you know, they, they don't have this, they're not all tainted with, with pride and tainted with, you know, arrogance and tainted with, you know, self and, and, and all that stuff. And Lord, help us. And I believe as the Lord brings that, he, he brings us to that place to show us that apart from him, we can do nothing. But on the flip side, as Paul the Apostle said, for I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, to realize the only thing I have good that's, that's in me that's good is him in me. And I can do all things through him. Basically, the way up is the way down. As Paul the Apostle says, I just want to read this to you in 1 Corinthians 1.26. He says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh shall glory in his presence. The opposite of the way of the world. Isn't it? Just the opposite of the way of the world. God uses the foolish things, the weak things, that he can show himself strong. So before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will exalt you in due time. James chapter 4, verse 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Isn't that true? Did you ever do that before? You, you answer a matter, you, you, you know, before you, you, you know all the facts. And you make judgment, and you're like, yeah, this and that. And you're, and it, but it's foolishness to do that. It's good to wait until you hear the facts before you start giving your... your your judgment. Make sure you hear both sides of the story. I'm sure all of us have done that before. You, you pass judgment. A fool only hears one side of the story. And there's so many, I think so often, you know, that happens, you know, in, you know, people are, you know, giving their one side of the story and then you're like, oh, really? And you believe that? And you're like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Well, what does it say? It says, you're a fool. <laughs> I'm a fool if I do it myself. We're fools. No, find out the facts. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? Another translation puts it this way. It says, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear it if the spirit is crushed? Speaking of you know, having a broken spirit, being crushed spiritually, or uh, it could fall into like oppression or depression. It's like, who can bear that? When, when you are oppressed of the enemy or you're oppressed or 
you're depressed. Sometimes I wonder with people that, that struggle with oppression and depression, sometimes it could be spiritual that they're dealing with. And they're, they're under that oppression. And it's terrible. In other words, a, a broken bone, yeah, that can heal. But sometimes if you have deep-rooted oppression or depression, that's a tough thing. Thank you, Lord. I haven't had a broken bone in my body yet. But in other words, that can heal up. But when you're crushed in a way that's spiritual, or oppression or depression, it's very difficult on people. I think about in Nehemiah chapter 8, when they read the word to the people, the word of God for the first time in a long time. And I love that story. Do you remember the story in Nehemiah chapter 8? Remember, the, they're reading the word of God and the people just started weeping. They started crying because they realized they were so far away from God. And as the word was being read, they realized we're doing all these things wrong. We, we, we've been doing things wrong all these years. So the people just started crying and weeping. Do you remember what Nehemiah did? He told them, don't weep. Stop weeping. He said, this is a day of joy, basically. He said, for the joy of the Lord will be your strength. You don't, don't weep. Yeah, this is the word of God. We've done wrong, and, and we're reading what's right, and we're figuring out what's right. And, but may the joy of the Lord be your strength. This is actually a good thing that we have the word now to instruct us. And I, I think through that, and I think that this can happen so often when, when you're studying the word of God, when you're reading the word of God, where all of a sudden, this has happened to me many times. I'm reading, I'm like, oh my goodness, I just, I'm so terrible. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm really bad. And that's a time sometimes where the enemy can, you're down and he's kicking you while you're down. You're like, yeah, you're, you are bad. And you, you're, then you, you, you go to this place where it's just like, you're just down and you're, you're condemned and you're walking around like, oh. And then it's a time, I believe, where the enemy can just come in and just really destroy you. And just as Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When we read the word of God, we should say, yeah, I, wow, Lord, I, I fall so short. Bring me to the cross. Forgive me for my sin. I repent of that. Lord, I can't believe how ugly this is. Lord, take it away from me. And then allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength. The enemy's crafty. He loves that. He, he loves bringing condemnation. And he'll use the word, and he knows the word probably, you know, the, as, as we think about, you know, Jesus when he was using the word, when he was tempted in the wilderness, and the devil knows the word, he was quoting the word back to him. So he knows the word, and, and sometimes I believe that'll happen. We're studying the word, and we're, you know, we're under condemnation, and, we're, and then the enemy comes in and just really hammers us. But let's remember, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And all we need to do is just go to the cross. So this, who can bear a broken spirit? May none of us be in that place where we're broken in that type of a way. The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. It's prudent, it's wise to seek. What we're doing tonight, the, the wisdom of the Lord, his word, it doesn't get any better than his word. And it's prudent for us, it's wise for us to just sit and read, and study, and meditate, and, and just take in his word. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift. Uh, giving gifts can work wonders. Everyone likes to receive a gift, and 
know, sometimes the Lord will prompt that. You give somebody a gift, and it sometimes can mend, you know, if there's differences between you and that other person, and you give them a gift. I know that happens a lot with, uh, you, you know, you hear when, when men are in the doghouse with their wives, and they come home with candy and, and flowers and stuff like that, you know, to try to make things right. But maybe it comes from here. I don't know. A man's gift makes room for him. Room for him in the house, maybe. I don't know. It also brings him before great men. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. The first one to plead, plead his cause, he seems right. And I'm sure this has happened to all of us. You know, someone will come to you and say, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened. And they're like, wow, really? And you feel so bad for that person. You're like, no way. Yeah, yeah, and this happened and this happened. But then you, you talk to the other person, the other party, and they're like, well, I, I, you know, you're thinking, I think you left out a lot of details. It seemed right. I was on your side 100%. I was on your side because you were the first one that pleaded your cause. But now after talking with the other party, it's not right. So it's a warning for us. Another, um, another way to translate it is, you know, don't judge a matter until you know both sides of the story. Biblical counseling, when we, when we do biblical uh, marriage counseling, we highly recommend that the, both the husband and wife are there at the same time because sometimes you just, if it, it's dangerous. You know, you'll have just the one and then you'll hear this side of the story and then you have the other one later and then you're like, whoa, that's a totally different story. And it's so much better. You get them both together. That way they can, you know, they can both be there to to hash it out and get the, both sides of the story at the same time. So you don't want to just listen to one side of the story. Verse 18. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart. Casting lots was a way for, in biblical days back then, uh, they would cast lots to determine the will of the Lord. They would, um, it was like, picking straws or, you know, to, to find out the will of the Lord. And actually, the Lord used that. And so it would, when there was a contention, and let's say you had two parties before you, and one says, no, no, you know, this happened. And the other says, no, 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 this happened. And then you just, you go before the Lord. And back then, they would cast lots, and the Lord would, de- would decide who was right and who was wrong. And that was it. That was the end of it, the end of the story. So that would stop all the contention that was taking place. So the problem was taken care of. Verse 19, a brother... Offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. When family members have fallouts, look out. A brother offends another, um, brothers and sisters, and it could be easier to win a strong city than try to get involved in that to make things work out. It's, and then the contention that's there, it's like, bars of a castle. It's like you're not going to get in. So just to, you know, giving wise counsel to be careful when you're you know, trying to, to counsel or try to get involved with brothers or family members. It can be very difficult sometimes. Not with the Spirit of the Lord, not with God, but without God. It can be nearly impossible. Verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. 
man's stomach. I believe what it's saying here is not, I think, you know, a man's stomach, it's more of, it's talking about the inward satisfaction. His stomach, the inward satisfaction comes from, from good words, words that are godly and, you know, from the fruit of his mouth. And I believe even an example would be from the fruit of your mouth as you're giving godly advice, as you're uh, using the, the word of God to help counsel somebody. It's going to be beneficial inside even yourself. You're going to be satisfied. You're going to be ministering to yourself. And I find that many, many, many times that when I minister to others, when I use the word of God to minister to others and they, you know, the Lord will open a door for that, I minister to. You know, God is so good. You know, it, it helps me inwardly. And it just, it's what, you know, that's why I love being in ministry because as I'm constantly ministering to others, it's like the Lord's ministering to me. And it's just a constant thing. It's like, wow, God, you're so good. You know, here I'm trying to minister to others, but actually, I don't know if anybody's getting anything, but I'm getting a lot out of this. And it's like, I get so ministered to in a wonderful way by the fruit of your mouth. As you minister to others, as you use the word of God, it's going to go inside and you're going to be so satisfied. Verse 21 is such a wonderful verse. Don't you love this verse? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The power of the tongue. You hear that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words shall never hurt me. That's not true. It contradicts what it says here. Words can hurt. Life and death, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words can hurt people. Our words can help people. Our words are powerful. They can be powerful, especially if it's the word of the Lord. It can bring life. How many times, you know, I, I know even for myself, where someone will quote a scripture to me and it's like, life. It's like, I needed it. Where did you get that? How come you text me that? Why did you just, you know, I want to know everything. Why did you just, you know, why did you text me this at this time? And, and it's just life. It helped me so much. There's life in our words, especially if they're the word of God, because this word is alive. If we can understand this verse and just totally take to heart this verse and realize how powerful our words can be to others, Lord, help us. I remember my sixth grade history teacher. I'll never forget this man. He was so encouraging. I'll never forget after class, he came up to me and he says, Joe, he says, you know, I'd like you to try out for, he was the track coach also, and he says, I'd like you to try out for track. Try out for the team. We're meeting at such and such time behind the school. Can you meet with us? I was overweight. I wasn't in good shape. I didn't exercise much at the time. I was in sixth grade. I wasn't, and I'm looking at him thinking, what in the world does he see that I don't see? And I thought, well, he sees something, and I guess I'll go. He thinks that I can be on the team. I don't know how I'm going to make the team. And he was so encouraging, this man. Ended up making the team and ended up, you know, being on the track team. And it was wonderful. I love track. Lost all kinds of weight, started working out and doing all that stuff. But it was all because this man was just so nice and he just says, hey, he just looked at me and just, hey, you know, can you, why don't you try it? I really think you'll do good. Those are just words. I wonder, you know, I would love to find out one day if this man was a Christian because I'll tell you, those words were so encouraging. Just, to, just and then while I was, you know, there on the team and you 
trying to make the team. Just his words to say, okay, well, you did good, you know, and, then, and it, it just the, the patience that he had, the time that he took with me and with the other kids. And I look back at that, I'm thinking, boy, he invested in my life. And that's just a track team. Imagine what our words can do for people spiritually. When we have the very word of God on our lips and we pray and we ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to this person? And maybe there's someone in your workplace, maybe there's someone in your neighborhood that really needs encouragement and really needs to hear from God. Life and death, death and life are in the very power of our tongue. I think about what Paul the Apostle said, Romans 10.9, it says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's life in our tongue. I mean, that's, you know, believe, we have to believe with our heart, but we, the Lord says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. So if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Death and life and the power of the tongue. Lord, help us. I love this next verse. Sorry. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Single guys, that's a good verse. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. I can say amen to that and obtains favor from the Lord. So again, the single guys, you might want to circle, underline. I've highlighted it, underline and circle. I even have a... Two stars before it and two stars after it. Because he who finds a wife from the Lord finds a good thing. And the Lord puts it together. It's awesome. We've been married almost 12 years. September 16th, it'll be 12 years. It's the best 12 years of my life. And I'll tell you, because we have such an awesome marriage, my wife and I, we look at the singles in this church and we're praying constantly and saying, Lord, we want everyone to be like this. And it's scriptural. It's biblical. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. It's wonderful. It's not good that man shall be alone. Who said that? Who? It's not good that man shall be alone? Oh, was it God that said that? In Genesis? It's not good that man shall be alone. And it's not good that women should be alone either, right, ladies? <laughs> it's a powerful verse right there. It's a wonderful promise that when the Lord brings that wonderful spouse, it's a wonderful thing. Hold out for the gold. I was tempted with wood, hay, and stubble. I'm so thankful I waited for the gold. So you singles, we're praying for you guys to find the right one because it is a good thing. But be content in your singleness as you're single. I think that was one of the most powerful things in my singleness, Lord. Again, I've shared this before. I just want to share it. Is really just finding my contentment in the Lord. And it was so powerful when that happened. Just finding contentment in Christ and having to surrender that and saying, okay, Lord, Use me. I'm single now. Use me to the fullest capacity now. I have a desire to be married, and I know that you, know, you give us the desires of our heart. You place those desires there. And I even prayed. I said, Lord, take that desire out of my heart if you want me to be single the rest of my life. I'll be single the rest of my life. But my heart wants, I want to be married. 
And he never took that desire out of my heart because he knew Kathleen was there for me. So I just want to encourage you as singles here, and I know you know this, just as a way of reminder, just continue to find your contentment in Christ because your contentment is never going to come with the spouse. Your contentment comes in Christ. And be used to the fullest capacity that God has you for now in your singleness. And keep your focus on Him. And when that does come, when that timing comes, He makes all things beautiful in His time. So be encouraged. Love the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our It's the sound of our Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. It's become the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our sound of our